everyone, and welcome to May I Interest You. First of all, thank you for tuning in to this very special first episode. I am your host, Cindy, and today we'll be diving into the world of fiber art. More specifically, knitting and crochet, since that is what I know most about. Grab a drink and your needles or hook and some yarn, and let's jump right into it. I wanted my first episode to be on fiber art because it's one of the hobbies that I am most experienced with, actually. Let me be more specific, I'm more experienced with knitting, and I'll talk about that shortly. I have been knitting for almost 10 years now. I learned when I was 11 years old. I think it was actually two months after I had turned 11. My dad was taking me to the public library almost every day, and we would go there and check out some books, and it was just kind of a thing that we would do. But sometimes when we would go, I would notice some girls around my age sitting at a table with adults and knitting. And I feel like I always had an interest in fiber art, but it was never something that I made that first step towards starting. But thankfully my dad was there, so he grabbed the books I had chosen and kind of just pushed me forward. They started me off with a pair of green straight needles that I have to this day and a small ball of red yarn. Now, when it comes to crochet, it's not as clear-cut as that experience is. I can't go back and recall the very day, or the, like a time period, that I started crochet. When I first started knitting, I think I did have a little bit of an interest in crochet. I even bought like this little kit that came with crochet hooks and stitch markers and a magazine, but it just kind of sat in my bookshelf gathering dust. It was never something that I really used, but within the last year, because of the pandemic, need I say more, I truly picked crochet up and I consider it one of my hobbies now. As I mentioned, it was because of the pandemic that I started. I was stuck at home alone most of the time and I guess knitting just wasn't enough, so I started crocheting. And I know I mentioned that I started off with a ball of red yarn and some knitting needles and I made a very janky square with that but with crochet my first completed project was an entire blanket. I was living away from my parents for the first time, I had my own place for the first time and I wanted to make something for our living room, just kind of a piece of decoration and so I chose some yarn that was a similar color to the color scheme that we had in our living room and I made a daisy granny square blanket and it sat on the back of our couch for the entire time that we lived in our first apartment. So comparing the two, my first finished product with knitting was hardly a square and my first finished product with crochet was an entire blanket. Now, before I go any further, I do want to provide a little bit of general information and some general terms for both hobbies, just so everything makes a little bit more sense. Now, both knitting and crochet have measurements for the needles or hooks and the yarn, but the measurements of yarn are synonymous between the two since it's the same yarn, so I'll go ahead and talk about that. Yarn is classified depending on the thickness of it. Thinner yarns can be anywhere between a zero and a three, and that's your lace, your baby yarn, your sock yarn, all that kind of stuff. A four is kind of the middle ground when it comes to yarn weight, and that is a worsted weight yarn. It's what you typically see in the stores. 
and a 5, 6, and a 7 are your bulky, super bulky, and jumbo yarns, which are the chunkier yarns. Most of the time, yarn labels include the weight or the thickness of the yarn, but there are also plenty of charts online that list off every single weight. When it comes to knitting needles and crochet hooks, the measurements can vary. There is a measurement, which isn't typically used in the U.S., that is synonymous between the two, which is the use of millimeters. Most of the time, crochet hooks and knitting needles actually have the millimeters listed on them, like marked on them, but that's not what's typically used here. In the U.S., knitting needles are labeled using numbers. You have anywhere between a 1 and a 50. <laughs> 1 being your smaller needles, your thinner needles, and... 50 or anything like a 13 would be a thicker needle. Crochet hooks are classified using numbers and letters of the alphabet. A smaller number, like a US size 1 or a US size 2, or an earlier letter in the alphabet, like a B, a D, or a C, is a smaller crochet hook. Bigger numbers, like a US size 11 or a US size 16, or letters in the middle or later in the alphabet, like L or P, are bigger crochet hooks. Some sizes of hooks have the same number as knitting needles. For example, if you have a 5mm needle, that is considered a US size 8. If you have a 5mm hook, that is considered a US size H8. The use of letters can be a bit confusing, and I still don't totally understand why they're used, but if you're ever unsure of what size you're dealing with, you can always check the crochet hook or the knitting needle itself. Sometimes they're marked. You can check the label of the knitting needles or the crochet hook, or you can also use a gauge to measure the size of your knitting needles or crochet hook. So you may be wondering why on earth does the thickness of a knitting needle or a crochet hook or even the yarn itself make a difference? Why is it something you need to know? It's actually very important when it comes to creating projects. Most of the time when you create a project, it is suggested that you knit a swatch. A swatch is a square that you knit or you crochet with the yarn and the knitting needles or crochet hooks that you want to use for your project. This is so you can see how your stitches will work up, how loose or how tight your stitch will be, and it'll help you determine if you need to change the yarn or if you need to change the tool that you're using. Knitting a swatch helps you determine your gauge. Your gauge is the measurement of the number of stitches and the number of rows you have per inch. So say I knitted a swatch and I found out that I have two and a half stitches per inch and five rows per inch. Using those numbers, I would be able to decide how long and how wide I need a piece to be. Using those numbers will help me figure out how many stitches and rows I need in order to have my piece as wide or as long as I need it. It can be kind of complicated determining your gauge, and it is a pain in the rear, but sometimes it's very important. When I first started knitting, I definitely never knit a swatch and determined my gauge. It just wasn't something I did. One thing I forgot to mention is blocking. Blocking is a very important part of that beginning process of creating your swatch and taking your gauge because blocking is when you 
relax the stitches in whatever you've made so you get the most accurate measurement of what you made. There are several ways to block. Some people use a steamer and they steam block, but I think the typical way of blocking is to soak your finished product in cold water and let the water saturate the stitches and then setting the, I guess in this example, your square on a blocking mat or a towel or anything, just laying it flat and pinning it down with T-pins and letting it air dry and it will lay flat because using the water relaxes the stitches and they'll lay the way they should. This is really important in getting the most accurate measurement when it comes to checking your gauge because if you block and you find out your stitches are measuring too big, then you'll know for sure that you need to go down on the size of the needle or the crochet hook. It's very important to do this process if you want to like get the most accurate result, but sometimes when you're just wanting to make something, you just go for it. That's how I did it, but as of recently, I definitely have started making swatches. Now, if you're not already confused, I have written down as many terms as I could remember when it comes to knitting and crochet, and I'm just gonna go over them just to confuse you a little bit more. So for knitting, to start off, you have to cast on. That is when you take the yarn you want to use and the needles you want to use and wrap the yarn around the needles to create stitches using any of the various techniques there are. There are a lot of different ways to cast on. There's the long tail cast on, chain cast on, crochet cast on. There are a lot, but typically the long tail cast on is the easiest. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, when finishing your project, you have to cast off. You have to get your stitches off of your knitting needles by using your yarn. And just like casting on, there are many different ways to cast off. Now, I know I've already used this term, but when I say stitch, that is in reference to the loops on your knitting needles. It's what you use to knit. When you knit, there are many different patterns you can use that will create many different looks. The two basic stitches are knit and purl, and that's P-U-R-L. These two create the entire foundation of what knitting is. You will use knit and purl for any pattern that you choose. For example, the most basic stitch, garter stitch, is all knit stitches. Now there is a difference between a knit stitch and a purl stitch. A knit stitch, you slide your needle through the front of the loop with your yarn held in the back, you wrap it around, pull it through, that's your knit stitch. For the purl stitch, you hold your yarn in the front and you slide your needle from right to left in the front, you wrap the yarn around, you pull it through. If you're a visual learner, I really apologize. If you're an audio learner, I hope that helped. It's definitely a lot more complicated to explain how to do these stitches through audio than it is through video. Now your most basic stitch, garter stitch, uses only knit stitches. Now a stockinette stitch, which is what you may think of when you think of knitting, uses an alternation between knit and purl to create a kind of flat surface. Now get ready to get confused even further because we're moving on to crochet terms. I may have mentioned this before, but I am not as experienced in crochet, so pardon if I get any of this wrong or I can't fully explain it. I am also still learning. <laughs> so to start a crochet project, you have to chain. You have to chain to start your foundation. To start a chain, you have to do a slip knot. 
using this slip knot, you can grab your crochet hook, put the slip knot on the crochet hook, wrap the yarn around the crochet hook, pull it through, and that is a chain. Chains are the foundation of crochet. After you've chained your foundation or your starting row, you go through your stitches and you can do any variation. The most simple stitch is a slip stitch, and that is when you slip your crochet hook through your stitch, wrap the yarn around, and pull it through the two loops on your crochet hook. Single crochet is when you slip your crochet hook into the stitch, wrap the yarn around, pull it through one loop, wrap the yarn around again, pull it through two loops. A half double crochet is when you wrap the yarn around your crochet hook, slip the crochet hook into the stitch, wrap the yarn around again, pull it through one loop, wrap the yarn again, pull it through all loops. A double stitch is when you wrap the yarn around your crochet hook, slip it into the stitch, wrap your yarn again, slip it through one loop, wrap your yarn again, slip it through two, wrap it again, slip it through two. And finally, a triple crochet stitch is when you wrap the yarn around your crochet hook twice, slip it into the stitch, wrap the yarn, pull it through one, wrap the yarn, pull it through two, wrap the yarn, pull it through two, wrap the yarn, pull it through two. <laughs> Once again, if you're a visual learner, I really apologize, but maybe go look up a YouTube video. If you're an audio learner, I really hope my instructions were clear. Now that I've turned your world around and just utterly confused you, Let's move on. The world of fiber art just offers so many opportunities and that's part of the reason why I like it so much because the combinations are just endless. You can make so many things out of one ball of yarn and a pair of needles or a crochet hook. You can make a hat, you can make mittens, you can make socks, a blanket, a dog toy. You can make so many things. And when I say they are endless, they are really truly endless. Even just with the yarn, you have so many options for what fiber you want to work with and where you want to buy the yarn. You can get wool, cashmere, acrylic, cotton. You can get a blend, which is when there's a certain amount of one fiber and a certain amount of another fiber. Like one of the yarns that I'm working with on one of my whips, which, little side note for a second, if you do ever get into the world of knitting or crochet. A whip is a work in progress, so it's just a project that you have going on. But for one of my whips, I'm using a yarn that is a cotton and bamboo blend. There are so many fibers, like I can't even list all of them off because I'm forget I'd probably forget so many of them. But there are so many great places you can find yarn. I know not everyone is fortunate enough to be able to afford like the luxurious yarns, the hand-dyed yarns, the cashmere, stuff like that. And there are big chain company stores like Michaels, Joanne Fabrics, Hobby Lobby. They sell so many different types of yarn. I know anytime I go into any of those stores, I'm so overwhelmed with all the colors, all the sizes, all the different fibers. It's just there are a lot of options that are pretty inexpensive, but there are also kind of brick and mortar stores that are owned by most of the time knitters and crocheters who sell yarn that was 
handmade or hand spun and most of the time those do go for higher prices than something you would find at Michael's but if you're wanting to splurge a little bit and make a really nice quality sweater then that's definitely your best bet. I know I have quite a bit of yarn from different individually owned yarn stores. I've gotten yarn from Memphis, Tennessee, from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but most of mine I would say is from a big chain store. I think most of it is from Hobby Lobby because I was living in a place that didn't have Michaels and didn't really have Joanne for a while. There are also plenty of places online that you can look for yarn, which at the time when I first started working with knitting and crochet, I didn't have at my disposal, but there are plenty of online stores like Etsy, individual sellers that sell yarn that they either spun themselves or that they dyed themselves. Hand dyed yarn is definitely something that I want to get into. It's something that I've been really toying around with. Just the idea of making something with hand-dyed yarn. I have bought a couple of hanks that are hand-dyed. Another side note, there are different ways to refer to yarn, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Depending on how the yarn is wound, there are different ways to refer to that. There's a skein, which is what you'll typically see in stores. There's your typical ball of yarn, which is kind of self-explanatory. It's a ball of yarn. There's cakes of yarn, which is most of the time when you take a hank or a skein or a ball and you wind it with a yarn winder. There are some companies like Lion Brand Yarn, which another side note is a good company to get yarn from. They have some really nice quality yarn, but um, they have started selling some of their yarn in cake form. And I honestly prefer a yarn cake as opposed to anything else. It's just easier to work with. And finally, there's a hank of yarn, which is usually when the yarn is twisted. And it is the most aesthetically pleasing, but it is not a functional way to work with yarn. You have to take a hank of yarn and wind it either into a ball or into a cake. How did I veer so off? I can't even remember what I was talking about. Hand-dyed yarn, yes. I have a couple of hanks of hand-dyed yarn, I just haven't gotten around to making anything with them. It's just that I have to find a balance between schoolwork and my 20 other hobbies. <laughs> Eventually I will use all the yarn I have. I know there's so many different yarns that I want to work with at the moment, but I really have to force myself to not do it because I have so much going on in terms of whips that I kind of, I have to have that self-control. Otherwise, I will actually have 20 different projects going at once and then I'll never get them done. So I talked about the different fibers and materials that you can work with when it comes to yarn. Well, there's also different materials you can work with when it comes to crochet hooks and knitting needles, believe it or not. Overall, there are, I would say, three different types of materials you can work with. There's your typical metal, like aluminum, knitting needles, and crochet hooks. I believe those are the most, those are typically the most inexpensive. 
Actually, I take that back. I believe plastic is the most inexpensive. I could be completely wrong. It's been a while since I've had to buy crochet hooks or knitting needles. At this point in my journey of fiber art, I have kind of accumulated all the different sizes, so I haven't had to buy any new ones. I think metal and plastic may compete for the most inexpensive material. And then the more expensive material to work with is wooden crochet hooks and needles. It's definitely a little bit pricier than plastic or metal. I typically like working with metal knitting needles or crochet hooks. I mean, it kind of varies. It depends on what I have available. <laughs> but I think most of the time I do gravitate towards a metal crochet hook or knitting needles. It just makes the yarn slide easier, especially on knitting needles when you need it to. And it just feels smoother when you're working with it. Now I know I've talked about materials and we just talked about the materials you can use with crochet hooks and knitting needles, but there are also different styles. Crochet hooks will be crochet hooks no matter what type you get, like what material you use. But there is one exception, which I don't know much about, so don't take my word on this, but there is a crochet hook that is also a knitting needle. I saw it so long ago, I honestly don't even remember any of the principles for working with that. I think it was called nooking, as you were knitting and using a crochet hook, hooking, nooking. I could be wrong. Hold for a second. And by the magic of the internet, I have verified it is called nooking. It is not something I have ever tried out. I kind of forgot it existed up until this point, but maybe I'll try it out. Anyways, that was a whole different story, but crochet hooks for the most part will be the same, like their structure will be the same no matter what material you choose. But knitting needles have, I'm just gonna say three different types of styles. There's your typical like cliche knitting needles that you think of when you think of knitting, which is a straight needle with an end to it where the yarn won't slip off. Those are great, especially if you're starting off. I honestly can't remember the last time I worked with them because I invested in circular needles, which is basically two knitting needles attached at the ends with a wire. And those are useful when you're making a hat, when you have to knit in the round, Here's another sidebar. Most of the time when you're knitting, you knit a flat piece, but if you're using circular needles, you knit in the round. Sometimes, not always, but you knit in the round, which is just, it just means you knit continuously, everything is connected, you never have to flip the project over. But knitting needles are most of the time used to knit in the round, like when you're making a hat, sometimes when you're making socks, or if you have hundreds of stitches, like when you're making a blanket, it is better to knit with circular needles because they are longer than your regular straight needles, so they'll hold more stitches than straight needles would. It's just easier to maneuver and easier to handle, and I know I said I don't remember the last time I worked with straight needles, and that really is because it is so convenient to work on circular needles, and it's just something I find myself going toward when I'm 
deciding what needles I'm going to use. I do still have straight needles, I just haven't used them. And finally, I guess the last structure of knitting needles is double-ended knitting needles. Double-ended or double-pointed knitting needles, as they're sometimes referred to, typically come in packs of four or five, and those are also used to knit in the round, but they're used more for knitting socks because typically when you're knitting socks, you're using a thinner yarn and you're using fewer stitches than you would for a hat. So as convenient as circular needles may be most of the time, sometimes they're not the best type of knitting needle to use for socks. So double-ended needles just allow you to move your needles across from one end to the other in order to knit in the round. It's definitely a little tricky to get the hang of it. When you make your first pair of socks, it can be a little frustrating because you can lose track of how your stitches are sitting or where you're supposed to go next, but they're definitely really great knitting needles for socks. And some people do make hats with them. I find it easier to work on circular needles if I have enough stitches to do that, but there are also some shorter circular needles that have a shorter wire for that instance when you are making a hat and you need a shorter wire. Now, if you're not already having a hard time deciding on what yarn you want to use and what size you want to use, what material you want to use, and what knitting needles you want to use, or what crochet hook you want to use, let's talk about patterns. There are many sources for patterns. You can get a physical copy of a pattern, which sometimes are sold in stores. There's not many patterns sold at like big corporate stores like Michael's and all of that. Granted, I could be wrong. I haven't really looked, but I do feel like it is a more popular item in individually owned yarn stores. There are also magazines and books that have patterns in them. You can also look online for patterns. I know Etsy has many people that sell patterns, but what I typically use for patterns is my own brain. <laughs> I, for the most part, make my own patterns, which can turn out good or it can turn out a little funky. I have made some blankets that weren't the right size. I know I made a blanket a while back that was meant to just be like a, a throw or like a little bit bigger and then it ended up being I think the size of an entire bed and that is because I didn't measure. I wasn't knitting swatches. I kind of just figure it out as I go for the most part and as I have grown and as I have developed my skill my go with the flow attitude has kind of resulted in better products, I guess. I have not made as many mistakes when it comes to measuring something or having it come out the size I want it to be, but I would say I definitely like just coming up with something on the fly better than I like following a pattern. When I first started knitting, I definitely still had that childlike mentality where I could start something, but I couldn't finish it because I got distracted by something. I could blame that on me being a child, or that's just the type of knitter I am, because to this day, it is very hard for me to be a monogamous knitter. I cannot work on just one project. 
I have to have at least 20 <laughs> going at once. But I have finished some things. I definitely have. One of my proudest finishes is a temperature blanket. And that is where I chose, I think, about six different colors of yarn and attributed it to the temperatures. Like, for example, blue was like the 50s. I had purple for the 60s. The 70s were like a green. You get the gist. I made that two years ago now. And because I went based on the temperatures in Jonesboro, Arkansas, it definitely looks a little funky and there is a lot of variation in the temperatures. Like, I remember at one point within a week, it went from 30 degrees to 70. So I used basically every single color within five rows. But since the weather really varies there, it did provide for a really nice blanket and I really am proud of that project. I have also two other things that I'm really happy with. I made my first sweater a couple years ago and it is a 100% original design. The front is color blocks and it's blue, pink, and green and they overlap and I used different colors for where it overlapped. And the sleeves are two different colors, the cuffs are different colors, the collar is a different color, the sweater itself is a different color. It's just a whole mess of color on that sweater. And when I made this was when I was still wearing all black. It was something I would never wear. But because it was something that I made with my own two hands, it became my mission to wear it any time I possibly could because I was so proud of it and I still am. It's so soft, it's so comfortable, and I love it so much. Another thing I'm really proud of is a black cardigan that I made last year. For the longest time, I owned a black cardigan that I had bought years ago. I owned it for so many years and it was tattered and it was scratchy and awful. And my mom would always make fun of me. She was like, I'll buy you a new one. And I was like, I like this one, what do you mean? But Eventually, I got rid of it because I knew it was time to get a new one, but I didn't want to buy one because none of them were the way I wanted it to be. So I made it. Last year, I finally decided to make my own black cardigan and I made it oversized and long just the way I like it and it turned out perfect. And just like my sweater, I love it so much. I kind of make it my mission to wear it and it's easier to wear that because it's a black cardigan. I can pair it with anything. It's just, it feels great to be able to wear something that you made yourself. I'll talk about one more finished product that I am very proud of, and that's a cat bed. My cats are really picky about where they lay sometimes, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they just lay on the carpet, which is kind of disappointing because I've offered them so many other comfortable spots. But I had a pillow that it wasn't really being used, and I didn't know what to do with it because I didn't want to throw it out. And... I had some yarn so I made a cat bed and it has become one of my cat's favorite spots to sleep. At any given moment I can look up and she'll be on that bed fast asleep or she'll be making biscuits on the bed getting ready to sleep. It's the first thing I've made for one of my pets and the fact that they really like it just makes me so happy. <laughs> now I know I've been talking about knitting this entire time and I am a crocheter. I swear I am. I just haven't gotten around to finishing anything else besides 
that granny square daisy blanket last year. I knew I wanted to make something with my scrap yarn, the yarn that I didn't think I was going to use for anything else. So one night while I was by myself watching some true crime docuseries on Netflix, I decided to start a scrappy granny square blanket. But it's not your typical granny square, I'm using granny square stripes. So basically what I'm doing is alternating all the different colors I have with black. So it's black, then blue, black, orange, black, white. I really like how it's working up and I'm so close to finishing it. And it's taking up so much space under our coffee table. I really should finish it, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Mostly because I started some more crochet projects. On top of that granny stripe blanket, I'm also working on a cat blanket using single crochet stitches and four colors. I have so many more ongoing projects when it comes to knitting. I have another cat blanket, I have a scarf and another scarf, a cowl, another cat bed, a shawl, and probably some other things that I just can't remember right now. I am very bad about having one project at a time. I really wish it was something I could do, but I like the variety, I think. When it comes to what I want to make, I have so many ideas. I want to make a cup sleeve, which would be easier to make with crochet. I have had the yarn for it for years, and I just have never gotten around to making it. I want to make more blankets. I've really been wanting to make a knitted blanket. I want to make more sweaters. For sure want to make more sweaters. I really like being able to wear them. I really like being able to make something with my own hands and wear it around. I'm kind of fish for compliments if I'm being honest. I actually have an entire list in my notes on my phone of the things that I want to make and I'll get around to it eventually. I just have to finish the 20 other projects I have going on right now. <laughs> if you are seriously interested in starting crochet or knitting, I will wholeheartedly recommend it. Both hobbies are very relaxing. When I'm working on something, I just zone in. I forget about everything else around me. It clears my head. It's relaxing. It's just so peaceful. Sometimes I like to just listen to music or another podcast and just work on something. And just watching your project build up as you're working on it is so rewarding and satisfying. It's it's really great. So I really recommend trying this out if it's ever been something you were interested in. If you do want to start out, you obviously need yarn and knitting needles or a crochet hook. I would definitely not recommend going with the first ball of yarn that you see or the first one that catches your attention because working with it may be a little difficult. When you first start off, your hands don't know what exactly to do. So if you choose a thinner yarn, it'll kind of be harder to hold on to it and to work with it. So going for a thicker yarn would be better. If you don't want a chunkier yarn, I would recommend starting off with a medium weight yarn, which is a size 4, and that's worsted weight yarn, which typically needs a size 7 through a size 9 in terms of knitting needles, and a size 7H or 8, and a size 9 crochet hook. When you're first starting off, like I said, it's not going to be easy. It'll be kind of confusing. It'll be kind of hard to grip the needles or the yarn. It is a bit easier to start off with a crochet hook. If you're really determined and you keep working on it, it'll get easier. 
to hold the needles or hold the crochet hook in the yarn and actually make some stitches. Like I said before, if fiber art like knitting and crochet is something you have been interested in before, I wholeheartedly recommend it. It is very relaxing. It'll get your mind off of anything you need your mind off of. And it's just so fun to be able to make something with your own hands and show it off. Now before we go, I want to thank you for listening to this first episode of May I Interest You. I really do hope that I interested you in the world of fiber art, and I hope you give it a try.